Have you thought this through? No way will that work. Are you sure? Is there any money in that? You'll never make any money doing that. How are you going to pay the mortgage? Just get a job. You're going to try to sell that? Why can't you be normal like anybody else? All right. Were your parents morons too? Savvy entrepreneur to the rescue! Congratulations, that really turned out well. I'm a really good job. I'm really, really, I'm surprised. You know, I wish I'd thought of that. I never thought of even one bit. How did you do that? I'm so glad you're here. I wish I had the courage to follow my friends. Hello, everybody, and welcome to all you entrepreneurs out there. This is the Savvy Entrepreneur Radio Show here on WLCB 101.5 FM. I'm your host, Doris Nagel, and I'm here because I'm a crazy entrepreneur myself, and I love helping other entrepreneurs. I've counseled lots of startups and small businesses as part of my law and consulting practice over the past 30 years, so I've seen a lot of mistakes. But in addition, I've started or helped start at least nine different businesses. And I wish I could tell you I didn't make any mistakes doing that. But that wouldn't be true. I made so many mistakes, it's ridiculous. So my goal here at the show is to help educate, help find you resources, people who have been on the journey who can add helpful advice, and to inspire all you entrepreneurs out there in addition with stories of other entrepreneurs who have been down the same path you've been down. Every week we have guests on the show covering a wide range of business and entrepreneur issues, and this week is no exception. Today our guest I'd like to to introduce and joining me by phone is Tom Still. He's the president of something called the Wisconsin Technology Council. Now, the Wisconsin Technology Council is the science and technology advisor to the governor and the legislature in the state. Launched in 2001, the Tech Council was created by an act of the governor and the legislature. It's independent, nonprofit, and nonpartisan, and has board members from tech companies, from venture capital firms, higher education, research institutions, government and law. So it's a true public-private partnership. Now, a few words about Tom himself. He grew up in Alexandria, Virginia, and after doing his undergraduate, he went to grad school at the UW-Madison and hence started his lifelong connection to the state of Wisconsin. His wife grew up in the state and so did their kids. On the professional side, serves on the UW System Business Council, the Badger Fund of Funds Limited Partners Advisory Committee, and advisory groups for the UW-Madison Colleges of Engineering, the Department of Computer Science, and the YSIS Technology Foundation. He's also a senior lecturer in the Department of Life Sciences Communication at the university. He's a former associate editor of the Wisconsin State Journal in Madison, so he's a good writer as well as being a pretty smart guy and pretty knowledgeable about entrepreneurs and business. He writes a syndicated column that appears regularly in more than two dozen publications, and he's the co-author of a book entitled Hands-On Environmentalism. He's been engaged in numerous Wisconsin public and private initiatives and have received 
many awards, including being named Communicator of the Year by the Public Relations Society of America, Wisconsin in 2012. He's active in lots of charities and is a longtime Little League baseball coach. So with that introduction, Tom, welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Doris, for having me. I look forward to our conversation. Well, I do too, and I look forward to learning more about you as well as the Wisconsin Technology Council. So I think the natural place to start is, what is the Wisconsin Tech Council? I know you, that it's a science and technology advisor to the governor and the legislature, but talk a little bit more about what that means and what its mission is. Sure. You know, at the end of the day, we look a little bit like a trade association with a policy sort of perspective on things. So yes, we do, um, where, wherever possible, try to advise, um, you know, often when asked, sometimes when not asked, the governor, the legislature, and different state agencies. For example, uh, we work pretty closely with the Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation. Um, and so we have that policy side of things that we've done over, over time, and we talk more about that. But we also do things to work with our members, which uh, we have about eh, close to 160 different uh, business members and a variety of individual members as well. And for them, I think the things that we do that are valuable are, are on the policy side, but also on the networking and communications side of things. And so we, we do a variety of different uh, events and and uh, contests such as the Wisconsin Governor's Business Plan Contest, which we started in 2004. We do conferences such as our upcoming Wisconsin Entrepreneurs Conference. Um, and, you know, other things that help connect investors and entrepreneurs, which I think is one of the most important things that we do. So um, think of us, again, as maybe a trade association with a policy hat but we engage in networking, communications, and hands-on work with entrepreneurs. That's a broad mission and uh, obviously an important one, given how many small businesses make up our economy, not only in Wisconsin, but everywhere. How did the organization get started? Why was it created? What gaps was it seeking to fill? Well, if you go back in time, then Governor Tommy Thompson, in uh, the late 90s and right around 2000 had become aware that there were other tech councils or things like that in other states. And there was a lot of conversation at the time. And I remember this because I was still in the newspaper business around what Wisconsin's new economy would look like. You know, it was really at the peak of manufacturing in terms of jobs in Wisconsin. There were 600,000 or so manufacturing jobs in Wisconsin at that time. But there was the beginnings of a, of a real live tech sector, especially in life sciences. So out of something called the Wisconsin Economic Summit, which was organized by business and the UW system, there were more conversations about the needs for the state. And I actually moderated those summits. And so I remember then talk about the technology sector and and what was needed and what was involved and out of that came uh out of that came the tech council and then i was still like i said i was still in the in, in the newspaper business at the wisconsin state journal but was drawn over because despite the fact that i'm not what i would call a deep 
tech expert in any given discipline, but I do know how to pull things together, how to organize, how to help with across different kind of public and private lines. And so that's how we get started. We officially came on in 2001 and I joined it in 2002. You talked about how you got involved. Why did you get involved with the program? The why was, I think, in part because I was, in part for me, I was just ready for something different. I had, I felt like I had done a lot in the, in the news business and I had become more uh, interested, more steeped in working on the business side of, of the whole equation, not only with communications, but well beyond. And then the, uh, those economic summits, uh, when I, when I moderated those, and this was what, 99 through uh, 03, if I recall, they were, uh, I thought they were important pieces. So I, I got involved because I thought it was an op- opportunity to be a bit more of an entrepreneur myself. I mean, when this started, it was me. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know that feeling, right? Yeah, it uh, takes a lot of energy and dedication and vision and persistence and just chipping away at things when you're all by your lonesome trying to build something. Yeah, oh, that's absolutely correct. And and so uh, I I was I was just drawn more and more toward the entrepreneurial side of things. I had done some entrepreneurial pieces within the newspaper business itself in terms of setting up some different pieces that um, led to more confluence in that industry, you know, in terms of the merger of different technologies. Uh, but this was an exciting opportunity. And so I, uh, I was glad to jump in and did so with both feet. Well, talk a little bit about some of the programs and the resources that you offer at the council. You touched on policies, but, uh, and maybe you want to talk a little bit more about that, but I know you do a number of other things. Sure. Uh, And let me start with policy because it is a really important facet of of who we are. Um, We produce a variety of different reports uh, on different, different pieces of the tech economy or the economy in general, or how, how policymakers can help. Um, we call those when they come out on a, a regular basis our white papers. Uh, we have done papers over time about STEM education, about the value of uh, of research in Wisconsin, uh, about broadband, about uh, other other pieces that are just all connected to how this can be a much more successful state. And so we we meet with legislators, we meet with others uh, uh, about those kinds of priorities and 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 try to push on it a little bit. We're you know we advocate where we can um, and uh, and just try to make sure that you know a lot of voices are are heard. Uh, and we do so a bit at the federal level as well, uh, especially with members of the congressional delegation here in Wisconsin. So other pieces of the program. Uh, we have three major conferences. Our Wisconsin Entrepreneurs Conference is coming up June 4th, and that'll be a virtual conference. So it's, ah. uh, we got a great platform for that, and we feel really uh, excited about how, how it's going to turn out. In March, uh, typically, we hold our Wisconsin Tech Summit, which is essentially a speed dating event between 
emerging companies and major companies that might want to have some kind of strategic relationship with them. And then in the fall, we hold our Wisconsin Early Stage Symposium, which is an investor-focused uh, conference with presentations by a number of young companies, usually about 40 young companies. So um, those are those are three conferences we do. We run the Governor's Business Plan Contest, as I mentioned earlier. Yeah, is that is that part of one of those three other events, or is that in addition yeah. to those three? It is. It culminates at the Entrepreneurs Conference, so that will be wrapping up by June 4th, and um, it begins with 200 plus entries that we get from around the state. And then it boils down to what we call the diligent dozen. So our top 12 <laughs> yeah, in uh, four categories, advanced manufacturing, business services, IT and life sciences. And out of that, there's a uh, there are category winners and uh, a grand prize winner. Wow. Uh, it begins in January. Uh, and so we walk uh, people through different stages to uh, to get to that point. Um, so it's uh, it's a about a five month process overall uh, because we we learned some time ago that it's better sometimes to to walk than run right away for many of the folks who have good ideas and they begin by writing about 250 words and then they go to a thousand words and then finally a full business plan and then the oral presentation so uh, <laughs> very much staged. Well, so are there resources to help these companies that are pitching to kind of, hey, I'm sure some of them are just phenomenally polished from the beginning, but there's probably a lot that have a great idea, but just maybe don't have the polish that they need to yeah, it's, really it's much, pitch their idea effectively. Correct. It's much more the latter, <laughs> that there are uh, really some who are just naturals. I would say, but because to enter this contest, you have to have you have to be a pre-angel or pre-venture capital company. Then, by definition, they're going to be newer companies, right? And perhaps but, newer entrepreneurs. Yeah, and so, with less experience, probably um, doing this sort of thing or presenting their ideas articulately in front of a fairly significant audience. That's correct. And so we try to help a lot of ways along the way. First of all, we have close to 100 volunteer judges who uh, are from all over the state in a variety of different sectors. And so they're providing feedback through different stages of the contest. There are mentors uh, who are doing the same thing. Um, finally, and, and, and this is uh, where it becomes well, we and we help out wherever we can internally, of course. But then uh, our um, the head of our uh, tech council investor networks uh, coaches these um, these these contestants towards the end uh, with practice sessions, with with uh, tips on how to better, you know, how just how to better present. And so uh, they they get a lot of help from a lot of different directions, which is which is good. Ah, that sounds like a phenomenal opportunity. Even if you're not sure if your idea is the, you know, the most amazing concept that's ever been heard, um, just the opportunity to have that kind of support around you and get feedback has got to be really valuable to the participants. 
Yes, it, it's, you know, there are prizes involved and those are nice, but at this, but the big thing that when we have checked with participants over time, what they value the most is the kind of advice and, uh, you know, sort of consulting in a way that they receive. And then the exposure that they get from the contest itself. They feel like they meet people and, and uh, who can help them in their businesses in ways that, uh, you know, that perhaps they couldn't have done before. Uh, I know that, you know, one of the previous uh, guests on, on your show were the, were the folks who started Novo Moto. Which mm -hmm. was the winner of this contest? Erin and Murdad, talking. Yeah. They talked very much about this process, and um, one of the things they said was that the help that they got helped them be very successful with a bunch of other pitch competitions. So they their strategy was to go find a bunch of pitch competitions. Um, you know, and that's that's not. They're not the only startup we've talked to that had that as a strategy, but kind of once they figured out the formula, if you will, of how to successfully pitch at these competitions, they went on to to get, you know, prize money from a bunch of them. Well, yeah, it's absolutely correct. And the, and also the, the sort of news media exposure that they might get, which a lot of them are, you know, perhaps on their own would be unable to to really make those kinds of inroads, but uh, many of them find it very very uh, valuable. And the success rate on on the contest has been really quite good. Um, as I noted, we started it in 2004, and um, over time um, we did the two different surveys. One that we took took place in in 2012, and we discovered that everybody who had been a finalist among those who had been finalists and that's the top 25 or so each year uh for that period 77 percent survival rate which is wow that compares with some crazy numbers that the sba or the department of commerce gives about survival of of small businesses which is pretty small yeah i don't and, remember the exact number but it's a lot of them don't make it yeah it's 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 probably no better than half that. And then we did the same survey of all the, the folks who were finalists from 2012 through 2019, and again, 77%. So we're, we're, um, we're pretty uh, happy about that kind of thing. That shows that they're getting help, not only from us, but all the other people and the resources that they touch along the way. And, and it, it's great because um, I think Wisconsin now has uh, uh, an infrastructure uh, for entrepreneurs that perhaps wasn't in place. And I know it wasn't in place, you know, 15, 20 years ago. So uh, that's what I was going to say. It sounds like you've really over time created a great ecosystem to help systematically, if you will, support uh, lots of small businesses, which is great. It is. And of course, not just us. I mean, we, we, we've been swimming in those lanes that, that I described earlier. By the way, we also have uh, a variety of monthly uh, meetings that previously, previous to, uh, to COVID, they were live in different places around the state, but we also do webinars. Uh, and so that's a big piece. But yeah, there are many others out there who are doing great work right now. And, uh, I want to talk about that, but before we leave the uh, the governor's 
annual uh, competition. I'd love your feedback and thoughts from over the years. What you think makes companies most successful in these pitch competitions? Let me start by saying things that I think <laughs> that are often common mistakes. I, I have seen companies with great written business plans and great technology put absolutely the worst person on stage. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Oh. You know, find somebody who's going to be a presenter who, you know, within the organization or your board of advisors or whatever it might be, who can connect with people. It's not often the, the, the chief technology officer, for example. So that's one thing that I, we've noted over time, that if it's, uh, if it's someone who's just not a natural presenter, it becomes a, a stumbling block along the way. Now, if those same people are meeting with an investor, for example, yeah, you might want to have the person who's, uh, who's kind of the face of the company, as well as the chief technology officer, as well as the numbers person on hand. But if there's going to be one person to present, I would make sure that it's somebody who, who does know how to present and who enjoys doing it. I think other things over time, you know, even though we're the Wisconsin Technology Council, right, that's part of our name, it is a business plan contest versus a technology contest. And so the companies that have done the best job of explaining how they hope to get customers, how they hope to sell their product or service. Those are the ones who succeed versus those who spend a lot of time on the technology itself. Ah, uh, the cooler, neater piece of it, the, the, all the features and benefits as opposed to mm-hmm. how you're going to actually make a business out of it. Exactly. And while a lot of companies need to raise outside capital, angel, venture, in some cases other places, what really makes them successful in the long run is when they are able to identify their customers, find ways to reach them, understand what the competition is doing, and and you know really form a business around it. Uh, so that's uh, yeah, I mean there are a lot of cool things out there, a lot of cool gadgets, <laughs> a lot of great technology, but. At the end of the day, it has to be something that people want to buy and use. Right. Great advice. You mentioned, I guess you alluded to the fact that the Wisconsin Tech Council is part of an ecosystem that's been steadily growing in Wisconsin to support entrepreneurs and small businesses. Talk a little bit about that broader ecosystem and how the Wisconsin Tech Council fits in with some of those programs. Certainly. Um, well, let me start with one of our good partners, which is the Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation, which is, you know, was formally called the Wisconsin Department of Commerce back in the day. And it was it was an agency that did a lot of good work, but it also had a lot of bells and whistles that weren't necessarily tied to improving the Wisconsin economy. So um, that particular agency has gotten a lot lighter on its feet over time and created an entrepreneurship um, division within it. So there's one example. I think that the universities and, and tech colleges and private colleges around the state have become much more attuned to 
the entrepreneurial economy. When we started, I can only remember two colleges, Marquette and UW-Madison, that had any kind of an entrepreneurial program. Today, it's all over and almost every campus and more and more students are taking part. You know, if you think about it, it used to be that only the faculty were the people who were taking part in in startups and maybe not many of them. Mm. But now you see students who are really fervent entrepreneurs who are who are doing their own companies and and moving ahead. Uh, well, we mentioned Aaron Olson and and, and Murdod from Nova Moto. They began as students right. at Madison. Right, as did another guest, I think, the Aaron Solutions team. Oh, absolutely. And so these are all great examples of how young people in particular and with, you know, some some guidance and structure from uh, from higher education are becoming entrepreneurs. Then when you look around the state, when we started what was then called the Wisconsin Angel Network, there were maybe a half dozen investor groups in, in Wisconsin. Today, there are about three dozen. Wow, that's great. Yeah, and so there are um, a number in the Madison and Milwaukee area, as you might imagine, but then spread throughout the state. And um, that has led to more opportunities for not only those investors, of course, but for the young companies that they, they might have in their portfolios. So uh, that, that, that piece has been significant. One piece of policy we helped get uh, passed uh, through the Wisconsin legislature was uh, it's the shorthand name for it is is the Act 255 tax credits. And these are state tax credits that go to investors who invest in what's called a qualified new business venture. Mm. So there are 200 plus companies that meet the, uh, the the state guidelines for that. I mean, and, and anybody can apply, by the way. And I would encourage your listeners to, to look that up, just qualified new business venture. Um, and those who uh, are certified, their investors are eligible for a 25% state tax credit. And so that's potentially more money in, in the pockets of those entrepreneurs because the investors can afford to invest more. So is there a limit on the investment? Or uh, if you, for example, use a crowdfunding platform, uh, we had Steve Deinhardt on not too long ago talking about his Moolah Pitch crowdfunding platform. Right. I mean, if you invest that way, do you still get the tax credit or is this only through uh, some other form of investment? Yeah, it's only through qualified um, investors. So crowdfunding doesn't doesn't qualify for this. It has to be an it can be an individual angel, an angel network, angel fund, venture fund, anything in that category uh, can qualify. Because you know there's there's some paperwork involved and some and some you know some uh, follow up involved to make sure that people qualify. The maximum of investments that can qualify for the credits is twelve million dollars, and we actually were uh, instrumental in getting that increased recently from the 8 million previous cap, which had been in place for a long time and inflation alone had kind of eroded on that. But, wow. Well, so, for a lot of companies, though, that's, that's a lot of money. That's <laughs> a lot. Especially if you're starting out. Um, that's a lot, yeah. And, Tom, uh, I, I'm going to ask you to just hold your thoughts for a second. 
we need to take a quick break for station identification and a word from a few of our sponsors. We'll be right back, folks, with Tom Still, the president of the Wisconsin Tech Council. This is Doris Nagel, the host of the Savvy Entrepreneur Radio Show. We're back no talking with Tom Still, the president of the Wisconsin Tech Council. You'll never make it Tom, before our break, we were talking a little bit about tax credit that's available in Wisconsin for investors of small businesses. And you mentioned that the amount, I think, has been and that's been a very successful program. Talk a little bit more about that. Oh, sure. Before the break, we were talking about that, uh, the total amount of eligible investments up to $12 million. But as you noted, not very few companies are going to start there, right? And so there's really no uh, lower limit on the number of qualifying investments as long as a, as a company you know, gets those kinds of investment dollars from an angel or a venture capital firm. Uh, and over time, it has been extremely uh, successful, leading to, um, you know, a lot of new companies, a lot of companies being, um, you know, growing, which is what we want ultimately, is for those startups to survive and prosper and add jobs and value. Um, and so um, it's, uh, it's, it's really been a nationally uh, emulated uh, program as well. Some states car, uh, basically carbon copied it hmm. and, and and have, you know, used it as one of their own tools. So uh, we're very, uh, very proud of, of at least our role in that. And, and it's been, uh, it's been successful then. And, and, you know, what, what, can, can I just interrupt you real quickly? What kind of investors have you found take advantage of this the most? Is it uh, angel investors? Is it um, fa- private family offices? Is it just individual one-off investors? It is basically, I'd say the biggest groups that take advantage of it are uh, angels and venture capitalists. Those are the two that really have have utilized the program the most over time. And as I noted earlier, it's it really helps those firms. They don't necessarily invest just because there's a credit right, right. They, right. they invest because they think it's a good deal but sometimes they invest more because that credit exists or if it's on the borderline perhaps that helps them make the decision um, we have seen a really a steady and very healthy increase in overall investing in wisconsin Within uh, a couple of weeks, we're going to release a report, and uh, uh, here's the headline now. You're getting it first. Yay! Uh, In 2019, the total amount of angel and venture capital investment in Wisconsin reached uh, $454 million. Fantastic. And that was up from about 300 and some in the previous year. Now, yes, some of those were big deals, you know, like $100 million deals. But at the same time, it represented 123 companies that received such investments and continued what we think is a great trend toward larger investments, which are growing larger companies and and really building on our entrepreneurial base. So, um, yeah, that report will be out soon and maybe, you know, maybe at some future time we can talk more about it. Yeah, I'd love that. You know, 
I'd love to hear some of the success stories, and I'm sure some of our listeners would as well. I mean, you alluded to the overall success that 77% of businesses that have gone through the pitch competition continue to be successful and are still in business. Elaborate a little bit on some of those successes. Sure. Let me talk about uh, some companies that I think at least examples of how this has worked over time. A company that actually entered the contest three times before eventually winning it is Vector Surgical. They were formed in Oconomowoc, and they do kind of what their name suggests. They do a different type of uh, surgical instruments and margin markers that are used by surgeons. Well, since that time, they're they're now in business in all 50 states and in a number of countries. And so that's uh, that's been a really good example. A company that was on the forefront of electronic health records, and in particular for the optometry industry, was Revolution EHR. That was eventually acquired. And then a company that actually, I'm sorry to say, they didn't do all that well in the contest because I think the concept was so new, is uh, what's called today Eat Street, which is the, the delivery service for... Uh, yeah. Kind of like like Grubhub, right? Yeah, kind of like Grubhub, only they would say better. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure they are. And uh, so, I mean, collectively as a group, these companies have raised more than $200 in angel adventure over time. And they had employees and they, they just, you know, they're just generally successful. So, yeah, on our website, which is wisconsintechnologycouncil.com, I think people can find more information about some of those companies over time. Great. I encourage people to go to the website and poke around. It's a very helpful website with tons of great information out there. Tom, you've been with the Wisconsin Tech Council really since it started. What are the accomplishments of the Tech Council that you're most proud of? I'd say if there's one overriding accomplishment, it would be that we have been a part of helping to, I I would say, rebuild as much as anything, because there were a lot of entrepreneurs in Wisconsin back back in time, even going back a century ago, of rebuilding the entrepreneurial spirit and economy in Wisconsin. And I think within that, specifically, it's been on pieces like on the policy front, where, as I noted, we were a part of the investor tax credits. We were a part of really getting it implemented, the the Badger Fund of Funds, which is has been making a lot of investments around the state, and a variety of other policy pieces that are tied to human capital as much as investment capital. So that's been important. I think our connections and our ability to connect between investors and uh, entrepreneurs has been a big piece and continues to be a valuable part of moving the sector ahead. I think in general, giving uh, the sector a voice where we can, because it was it was a new sector and a lot of people just didn't think that much about the tech side of things, even though it was touching them on a regular basis. But uh, I think that's been uh, that's been that sense of community I think that we've helped to build. So those are some general accomplishments I think that that I I feel really good about, and our staff is tremendous in working in all of this. Uh, they have been invaluable in all kinds of steps along the way. And many of them have have gone on to do other things that are entrepreneurial themselves. So we're really lucky in that way. It sounds as though the Wisconsin Tech Council 
I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it almost sounds like you've taken on the role of the connector. I mean, what I see, for example, in Wisconsin's sister state to the south is lots of pockets of different things that help entrepreneurs, but really a lack of the the connection and creating the community. And I, you know, I think Illinois' situation is probably more typical than the Wisconsin community that has been created that you've described. Mm-hmm. I think in um, in general, you are correct. In Illinois, you know, much bigger state, a lot of great resources, right? But at the same time, there's not as, as many folks who might play the kind of role that we do. And, and again, the rest of the infrastructure in Wisconsin is so strong. I mean, I think of, uh, you know, accelerators like Generator that didn't exist X number of years ago and other pieces like that. But yeah, we do try to provide a connector role and an overview role that we think is helpful. It exists in some other states and regions, but but not, you know, universally everywhere. And, and I th- personally, I think that's really important to have an been an entrepreneur and worked with lots and lots of them. One of the common themes is just, you know, people say, oh, there's lots out there. There's people out there that'll help you do that and this and that. But, you know, it takes a lot of persistence sometimes to put together all those pieces and try to figure out who's the right person to help me do this. So to the extent that there is a vibrant connection between all these organizations and a a sense of helping and not so much worried about who's stepping on whose toes. I speak from personal experience that helps the small business person so much because a lot of it is bewildering to a lot of them. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that might be a little bit of our secret sauce is the fact that we are an independent nonprofit, but we understand what's happening in the public policy world. We work with investors all the time, but we don't run a fund. You know, they run the funds and we're, we're, we're Switzerland. We're just trying to make sure that the, right. uh, that the, right. the pipeline is filled with, with uh, good ideas for them to investigate. We communicate and we try to do so re- quite broadly, not just about what we're doing, but what others are doing. For example, during this COVID period, we've we turned our newsletter into a, a daily, you know, Monday through Friday product because there's so much going on that we feel the tech community and the entrepreneurial community need to know about. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, I think that that kind of uh, standing that we have and we have carefully maintained over time is a, a good, healthy part of what we do. Looking back, how do you think the council has evolved? I mean, what what have you learned along the journey and how has the council responded to it? One of the things that I think we've learned is that value. And I came into it suspecting this was the case, but the value of, of communications in different formats and in different ways. People hear and absorb information or read and absorb information in a variety of different ways. And so we try to follow all those ways. This goes back to some of my training as a journalist mm-hmm. uh, that we that we really wanted to make sure that we could touch people in different different avenues. So that was an important lesson. I think the notion that we truly had to be a part of building the investor infrastructure in Wisconsin 
there was a time when you you can go back 20 years and there were maybe a couple of million dollars a year invested uh, overall in by angels and venture capitalists and so that was not going to get us where we needed to go i'm sorry you said that the report's going to come out showing how much now has been invested north of 450 million last year 2019 so 2 to 450 million is quite a that's quite a ramp up it is it you know i'm not saying that we're california or massachusetts or texas or some of the other states that do far better in that regard in fact you could you could argue we still need to do much much better but at least now we're in the hunt and uh, as we've discovered Investors from elsewhere are increasingly taking a look at Wisconsin. About 40% of all deals in Wisconsin in 2019 involved at least one out-of-state investor. And so that's a sign that, you know, on the coast and within the Midwest itself, people are taking notice of what's going on here. That's great. Yeah, so building that infrastructure or being a part of it, and uh, and again, there's so many others who have contributed, the investors, starting with the investors themselves. But being a part of helping to build that, I think, and understanding the importance of that has been one of the major things that we have learned along the way and continue to reapply. I joked with somebody, there's really only two questions that most entrepreneurs seem to have. That's gross oversimplification. But one is, where can I find money and how do I get more customers? Those yeah. are pretty much If you can help answer either of those two questions, you're going to be very popular and definitely provide value to them. Yes, yes, definitely. And, uh, you know, if you think about it, I I don't think Wisconsin has a shortage of good ideas, whether they come from, you know, just folks who are maybe connected to an academic institution or folks who are already in other lines of businesses or major companies that have spinoffs or Whatever it might be, those ideas are there. I think what perhaps was lacking in the past was that access to capital and then a variety of ways where those folks could find the customers they needed. So again, I think that infrastructure is there now to to at least get us down the path to being a lot better. Obviously, lots to be very proud of and I'm sure has helped the Wisconsin economy, some in measurable ways probably, but a lot that are maybe not so measurable. What do you see as the longer term goals of the Wisconsin Tech Council? Where would you like it to be in five years? I think in in five years, um, a lot of what we're doing now will still apply. Uh, the notion of continuing to build uh, the investment capacity to continue to tease out the really good ideas that can lead to products and companies and markets. I think making our story more well-known around the country, I think, will, will be one important piece as, as we look ahead. You know, Wisconsin folks generally are not really good about bragging about themselves, right? It's yeah. not the Midwest way. It's, you, work hard, you work hard and good work speaks for itself. Yeah, and and uh, and it often does, but it doesn't always. And so I think as we move ahead and build what I think is a compelling story about Wisconsin entrepreneurs and Wisconsin tech companies and emerging companies, making sure that story is uh, is better known, I think will be one of the things that we 
we hope to to help with and there's some you know there's some things in the works that i i believe can help get us there but the more we are known i think the more those other goals are met you know in terms of more investment dollars coming into the state and more opportunities to fund those young and sometimes not young entrepreneurs who are doing some great work well i know that i'll be watching as the tech council evolves I'm glad it's out there helping serve entrepreneurs and making the state a better place. All right, I have to ask you, you've come across, Tom, I don't know how many dozens and dozens, maybe thousands of small businesses and entrepreneurs, either through your programs or through the the governor's pitch competition, the conferences, all maybe even members. In your experience, what qualities make an entrepreneur most likely to be successful? I think I'd start with persistence or perseverance. I mean, maybe those are somewhat similar pieces, but if you're an entrepreneur, you ought to be cognizant of the fact that it's not a get, get rich quick scheme. <laughs> it, no. it be, I mean, sure, lightning strikes every once in a while, but by and large, Entrepreneurs who get into this game know that they're looking three, five, seven, or more years down the road, depending on what kind of business they might be starting. I think they have to be really persistent in terms of how they address that. They have to persevere through uh, some good times as well as bad, and sometimes bad is more common. I think they have to be adaptable. They have to really make sure that they're that what they started as a as a business idea or a business plan is likely and almost guaranteed to evolve over time it's rare that somebody who starts a company with a with a core plan actually can execute on it throughout in the same way that they envisioned i think some of the best entrepreneurs are also the best networkers one of the things that i don't like to see is when entrepreneurs are just totally head down on the lab bench and thinking that that's the, the total key to success. It's not. You know, if you think right now about around the COVID crisis, well, the entrepreneurs who are probably going to do well in terms of raising investment dollars or gaining more customers are those who already had relationships with investors and or customers. Right. Those who right. uh, have, you know, avoided that kind of contact are, in my opinion, not likely as likely to be successful. Because so. it's, it's hard to make some of those connections cold. It's a lot easier to meet somebody at a conference, follow up with them, stay in touch with them, and continue to stay in touch with them than it is to try to reach out cold to those people. Yeah, I agree. And, the, and I think good entrepreneurs are good storytellers. They're the folks who, if you do meet them somewhere in an elevator or a conference floor or whatever it might be, or these days online, they can tell a story about what they're doing, what their product is, what their company is, what their service is, and really uh, grab you that way. Hmm. Um, and so I think being a good storyteller is is a big part of it. Well, so if I'm an entrepreneur, but I'm not very good at networking or storytelling, or maybe I'm not good at persevering very much, does that mean I'm doomed as an entrepreneur? I mean, which of those qualities do you think can you actually 
right. develop. I, I, I wonder about perseverance. I think most people, either you're wired up to be a person that just keeps pushing away at things, but I don't know, maybe you can develop that. Yeah, I, I think some people can, but I, I think you're also right that some people are wired that way. And those are the ones who maybe, you know, become entrepreneurs because they know they have those inner qualities. But I think the key to that is if if you don't have a certain quality that, that may be a part of things, find somebody who does. And that doesn't have to be necessarily somebody who is hired as an employee or or brought on as a consultant, although that's a great way to do it too. But sometimes you have, you know, you can build advisory boards. And those advisory boards may be made up of people who are good networkers, good communicators, you know, as well as people who are good at, at some of the other uh, nuts and bolts of building a company. Entrepreneurs can't do it all by themselves, in my experience, uh, and nor should they necessarily try. When they go about building a team, they the, probably the first thing they should do is look for people who bring other talents to the game, not people who have the same talents that they do. Um, and so that's that's one way of overcoming that. Yeah, you're right. Now, not everybody's a natural networker. Or a natural presenter or right. good any, at telling a story that's compelling, you know? Yeah, yes, that's all correct. And so, but if they can find other people, especially if they form even an informal advisory board, it doesn't have to be a fiduciary board, in fact, maybe, you know, most entrepreneurs wouldn't do that unless they, you know, had a significant amount of outside investment. But in this case, if they can surround themselves with advisors who bring on other talents and abilities, that's a good way to go. You know, it occurs to me when I think back of some of the most difficult clients I've worked with and some of the least successful businesses, I have to say... It's not that they didn't have those qualities and found someone else. It's more that they didn't they didn't have enough self-awareness or didn't mm-hmm. have enough of a mirror to identify those weaknesses and then reach out to those people. I'm just thinking of a couple of them where I said, you know, but you're you know, you don't have any ops experience. You don't you're not even seeing some of the ops issues, but. The person didn't want to hear that. They didn't want to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's a really important point. Having that sense of awareness, maybe that's the first step towards what I just described, which is you know surrounding yourself with other advisors and who, who can help out and provide talents and abilities you don't have. But maybe it only begins with with having that ability to look in the mirror and say, mm, you know what. Tom, you're not the best ops person or something like that. Right, right, right. I think that most entrepreneurs are smart enough to know if if they say, you know, I'm really not very good at presenting. Maybe I need some coaching on that. They're smart enough people. They'll figure out how to find somebody to help them coach, get better at it. But if they don't want to hear or see the weaknesses, that's a much more difficult to overcome it it is and and, you know and it's part of uh it gets back to we were talking earlier about the the wisconsin infrastructure it's part of the value that entrepreneurs can receive by being maybe involved with an accelerator or involved with a co-working space or uh, you know i'm thinking for example like starting block in madison 
or involved in perhaps university-related programs around entrepreneurism, they they can see what others are doing and perhaps learn by that experience and increase their self-awareness that way. Mm. Well, there's obviously a lot of great resources and a growing ecosystem in Wisconsin, which is fantastic. Tom, I warned you the time was going to fly by, and so it has. Yes. Uh, we're basically out of time. Before I let you go, though, I'd really love for you to share with listeners the best way to get in contact with you or the Wisconsin Tech Council to learn more about the programs and services that you offer, or maybe just to chat with you about any of the things that you've touched on today. I think that the best way in the front door really is our is our website, which is Wisconsin Technology Council, and that's C-O-U-N-C-I-L dot com. <laughs> and um, there you'll see, you know, different ways to contact us and, and review our programs, review some of the things that we do. Those are the best ways that uh, people can sign up and, you know, they can become members as well. That site is, is set for, for people to, if they like what they see, they can move on to the next step. And I hope lots of you listeners will take the time to do just exactly that. That's our show for this week. I want to thank all of our listeners, but also a special thanks again to our guest today, Tom Still, president of the Wisconsin Technology Council. Tom, thanks again for being on the show. Doris, it was a pleasure. Thanks for all your good work. Thank you. You'll be able to listen to an on-demand recording podcast of today's show along with other free information and resources for entrepreneurs. You can go to the Savvy Entrepreneur Radio Show page at lakesradio.org or to my consulting website, which is www.globalocityservices.com. Be sure to join us next Saturday when we'll have another great guest on the show. But until then, I'm Doris Nagel, wishing you happy entrepreneurship.